Amen. Thank you very much. Now this morning, we are continuing with our sermon series in the book of Philippians. And as we begin, I want to tell you this is the second sermon in this series. And since it's been a little over a month since we have been in this series, I want to remind us just a little bit of some background information. First of all, the writer of the book of Philippians is Paul, and he wrote it while he was in prison, and he wrote it specifically to the church in Philippi, Philippi somewhere between AD 55 through 62. And the overall theme of the entire book of Philippians is that Paul rejoices in his partnership with the Philippians, and he does that in the midst of adversity. Perhaps you remember the first sermon in this particular series, we talked about joy in times of adversity. And so since you see on the screen right now what the overall theme of the book is, it probably will not come as a surprise that we will also be dealing with adversity this morning. But as we begin, I'd like for us to hear the scripture in its entirety this morning that we are going to be examining. And as I often do, if you are physically able to stand, would you stand right now to honor the reading of God's word? Again, Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be beginning in verse 12. And this is Paul that is speaking here, Paul that is writing. God's word says this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me... You may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened at anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. 
For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I have. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for bringing us to this place on this day. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. Father, I thank you for how rich that this text is. And Lord, now I pray that you would just simply anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I pray that I will preach you and you crucified. Father, I pray that I will point all who hear to you and to the cross. And Father, I pray... I pray right now, if there is one who is hearing my voice that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Father, may this be the day that your convicting power falls upon their hearts and upon their lives. And, Father, I pray that we will leave here rejoicing because Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Father, let it be so today. For the things that you will do in this place, we give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. The title of this morning's message is Rejoice Always. Now, as we begin to take a look through a much closer lens of our scripture, keep in mind that we are talking about adversity. And I think this morning, this scripture points us to three different thoughts or topics or sections maybe would be a better way to describe it. But the first that we're going to be looking at is that the gospel can be advanced through even times of adversity. Now, as Paul begins this section of Scripture, he reminds the Philippians and also us what has happened to him Remember, he's been persecuted. This man is in prison not because that he has committed any type of crime. But we're going to see in this section of verses that what has happened to Paul, it's actually served to advance the gospel. Now, I want you to hear this morning that Paul is literally in chains. He is in chains Possibly the people that put those chains on him thought that not only would it restrain him moving around, they likely thought that it would silence the gospel. But can I tell you this morning, there is no chain strong enough to silence the gospel. Jesus is the one who can break every chain. I wonder this morning, do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Paul points out here that he is in chains for Christ. And then he tells us that what has happened to him, is it's really served to advance the gospel. It's served to advance the gospel. And it's going forward. I believe verse 14 is such a beautiful verse. I want you to picture Paul sitting there in prison, bound in those chains. I'm sure that people thought that that would actually silence the gospel, but that is not at all what happened. Look what happens here in verse 14. Most of the brothers, they've become confident in the Lord by his imprisonment. 
And look what the outcome of that has been. They are, they've become much more bold to speak the word without fear. And can we say praise God to that? They picked up the, the baton and they continued to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ even without Paul being physically with them to help them do that. Now, in verse 15, Paul points out for us that there's some people that are not preaching for the right reasons. Some are preaching from envy and rivalry. But then there are still some that are preaching for the right reasons. Does that sound familiar in our world today? Unfortunately, there are people today who call themselves preachers or call themselves pastors who are not preaching the true gospel. They are preaching a false gospel. Instead, there are others who are preaching for the wrong reasons. They're preaching for some type of self-glorification. But just as then, I want to tell you this morning that there are still some of us left who are proclaiming the gospel for the right reason. And let me tell you what the reason is. First of all, God still calls men to the gospel ministry. Praise God for that. And then there are some of us who realize that there are many people who live in this world today who have not heard the name of Jesus. You know, we sang that song, Your Great Name. There are people all throughout the world that have not heard that great name of Jesus. And guess what the outcome of that is? As of this moment, those people are on their way straight to hell. There are other people who have heard the name of Jesus, but they have made the decision they are not following him as their Lord and Savior. Guess where they're on the road to this morning. They are also on the road directly to hell. And can I tell you something? Hell is very real. Hell is eternal. Hell is still hot, and I don't want anybody to go there. Nobody to go there until the day that God calls me home. I will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to ask us as a church this morning, are we burdened for those people who have not heard? Are we burdened for those people who have heard but have not followed Jesus I'm convinced until we get to that point, we will not see true revival. I pray that we truly have a burden for the lost. Now, as Paul continues to write this letter, he, t- he points out that there are some people, they are some people who are trying to cause him trouble. They're trying to afflict him while he's there in prison. Can you imagine how low that somebody would have to be in order to do that? But look how Paul responds. He says, What then? Only that in every way, whether it in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I will rejoice. Isn't that marvelous? Isn't that wonderful? Remember, Paul is the one who wrote the scripture in First Thessalonians that I used last Sunday night during the charge to the Jesse family where Paul tells us to rejoice always. 
to pray continually and to give thanks in all circumstances. And he says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When I look at this section of Philippians, it certainly sounds like to me that Paul is practicing what he preaches. He's not just simply writing and telling others how to conduct their life. He's showing them how. He's showing them how to do that in the midst of adversity. And, you know, as I picture Paul there in that prison cell in chains, here's what I imagine. I imagine Paul sitting there confident in knowing that he's not fighting that battle alone. Instead, Christ is fighting with him. Christ is fighting for him, and Paul was completely confident in that. He was also comfortable knowing that Christ was fighting for him. I wonder, are we? Are we confident and comfortable in knowing that Christ is fighting our battles? Now, as we look at the next section of verses, the next main point we're going to see is that Jesus is actually exalted through times of adversity. So remember, I keep saying Paul is in prison, but I don't want you to forget that. And the gospel spreading anyway as a result of that. And as a result, Paul is encouraged. And then we see Paul get very, very real here. He gets very real. Paul knows he hasn't committed a crime. And so he's expecting that he'll be released from prison. But he also knows that he could very well be executed. And so he's torn between the two. But the desire of Paul is that whether he stays or whether Christ calls him home, that Christ will be exalted in and through him. And isn't that wonderful when we think about that? That's the desire of my life. I hope it's the desire of your life. If, if God gives us another day on this earth, I pray that Christ is exalted through me. I pray that. But if he calls me home today, I pray that Christ will be exalted through my death. I hope that you're praying the exact same thing. I hope that's your desire. I hope that's our desire as a group of believers this morning, as a body of believers. Now, if you were asking me to to tell you what I think is likely the most important verse in the entire book of Philippians, I would probably tell you it's verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's given us an example here of internal strength that he is displaying because he knows if he lives, he is going to continue preaching. He is going to continue proclaiming the gospel, and he knows that Christ will be exalted through that. But Paul also knows if God calls him home today, that Christ is going to be exalted through that as well. I want to tell you something this morning. I am convinced that heaven is far more glorious than our earthly minds can even imagine. We were talking about this to a certain extent on Wednesday night right here in the sanctuary. And I made a statement like, I know the streets of gold are going to be beautiful. Without question, they're going to be beautiful. 
I know the walls of Jasper are going to be beautiful. Without any question, they're going to be beautiful. The gates of pearl. Can you imagine what those gates are going to look like? But can I tell you, none of those things that I've just mentioned, that's not the best part of heaven. The best part of heaven is that we're going to see Jesus. True believers, true believers that know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to see him face to face. We will be able to see him as he is. And I'm going to tell you this morning, that is good enough for me. I don't care about the streets of gold, the gates of pearl, or the walls of jasper. Who I want to see is Jesus. And that's where I want to spend my eternity. I wonder this morning, what about you? Are you confident that your eternity will be spent with Jesus? And I pray that you can say with confidence, absolutely. Now, Paul goes ahead and tells the Philippians about the dilemma that he is in. And you've heard me say before that the more and more that I study Paul's life, the more that I am looking forward to seeing Paul also in heaven and to talk to him and to ask him certain questions. And yes, I do believe that we will have knowledge of who people are in heaven. I firmly believe that. And I am looking forward to sitting down and having a conversation with Paul. But Paul, again, is so real here with the Philippians. He's torn between staying with them and going to be with Jesus. Torn between those two things. And I want to be sure you hear me this morning and that you remember this. Although Paul is so very transparent with these Philippians that he's writing to, he's torn between going to be with Jesus and staying there on earth with them. He's truly torn between those things. But guess what? He didn't get to choose the day that he was going to go to heaven. He did not get to choose that, and neither do we. We don't get to choose that day either. Now, we very much get to choose where we'll spend our eternity, but we don't get to choose the day that we're going to go. Paul didn't get to do that either. But Paul, and that makes some of the former verses mean even more. Of course, to Paul, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He is confident and comfortable and content wherever that he is, wherever Christ places him. And as believers, we have to realize that each day that Christ gives us here on this earth, it's an opportunity for us to be his hands and feet. It is an opportunity for us to live our lives for him. Now, Paul, Paul realizes that it's necessary for him to remain and continue with them. And then he talks about this joy that is going to be experienced by them. And I want to be sure that you understand that the joy that Paul is talking about, it's not joy that comes from any type of circumstance. But instead, it's the joy that comes from a true and genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the source of joy for any believer. As we look at this final section of verses, we're going to see that believers can be encouraged as a result of adversity. 
Now, Paul knew that God was in control. And what he also knew was that Paul was not in control. He knew that he wasn't. And then Paul tells the Philippians, here in verse 27, I only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another way of translating that particular verse would be Paul saying this, whatever happens to me, Whatever happens to me, conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, Paul knew that if they would do that, that no matter what happens to him personally, whether he's executed or whether he stays with them, no matter what happens to him, those people will continue to stand firm and to strive together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose them. You know, I'm going to tell you, as we, as we look to close this sermon this morning, it's the same way for us. It is the same way for us. Hear me when I say, as others look at the church, as others look at the church, whether they're looking inside the sanctuary, whether they're looking in a church, whether or not they're looking in a church somewhere else, here's what they must see. They must see the church as a united front who defends and proclaims the gospel. That's what they must see. If they're seeing anything else, then we failed. We've got to be an example to a non-believing world of what a church really is. When, they look, when unbelievers look inside a church, they want to see whether or not they will actually articulate it or not. They are looking for something that is different than what they are experiencing right now. We must defend and proclaim the gospel. We must show them Jesus we must do that. And finally, we've got to realize that adversity, it's part of the Christian life. It was a part of, the, of Paul's life. It will be a part of our lives as believers, as followers of Jesus. And I want you to hear me as I close this morning with this. Believers, we, we have two privileges. The first one is to believe in Christ. And you know what the second one is? The Scripture tells us it's to suffer for Christ. Those are the two privileges, to believe in Christ and to suffer for Christ. And I want you to hear me this morning. Both of those are part of being a Christian. You've heard me say many times before, I am absolutely convinced if we live long enough and Christ doesn't come back first, we will see persecution right here. So when it does come, will we be ready? Will we be willing and ready to suffer for Christ? You see, Paul, we've seen in our text today, he faced multiple periods of opposition. The Philippian church would too. And guess what? So will we what will we do when that comes will we choose to face our adversity like paul did in christ with joy or will we become very silent 
I pray that we will face our adversity like Paul did in Christ with joy. I pray that we will truly rejoice always. I wonder this morning, do you know Jesus Christ today? You know, I am convinced that I don't know your hearts, but Jesus does. He knows whether or not you have a relationship with him. I want to tell you, life is short. Eternity is very real. And as I said before, every human will spend eternity in one of two places, either heaven or hell. And we get to choose that place. We get to choose which of the places that we will spend eternity. I want to beg you this morning. If, you don't, if you're here this morning, if you're hearing my voice this morning, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't, don't expect or don't assume that it would be okay to wait till tomorrow. It's not okay. You might not have tomorrow. And just quickly, now, I want to tell you how you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. You've heard me say this many times before, most of you have, that it's as simple. It truly is as simple as we teach children in vacation Bible school. And I want to I just want to remind you we we wouldn't teach that in vacation Bible school if it wasn't true. But it, it it's really easy. It's called the ABCs of salvation. The A is that we have got to admit that we're a sinner, that there are things in our lives that are called sin that have caused a separation between us and God. The B stands for we've got to believe that Jesus is God's son, that he came and he lived on this earth. He committed no sin. And he loved us so much that he went to the cross to die for us. He was buried. He was dead. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay in the grave. He rose on the third day. And that is why we celebrate Easter You've heard me say before, I really think we should celebrate Easter every day. It's the reason we meet on Sunday, because that's when Christ rose from the grave. And then the C stands for confessing. We've got to be willing to turn from the life of sin and proceed towards Jesus. You know, we will not live a perfect life, but Jesus will, in fact, meet us where we are. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to be conformed more and more to the likeness of him as each day goes by. So once again, do you know him today? Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for the scripture that we've looked at today. Thank you for the fact of knowing that we can, in, in fact, rejoice always. We can rejoice always in the way that is possible is if we have a relationship with you. Father, I pray now that your convicting power will just fall upon anyone who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that this will be the day that we will see relationships restored, souls saved, and lives changed. And may you receive the praise, honor, and glory for it all. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.